Greetings. One must not get one's knickers in a twist. Bletchley Park is now a world famous and number one tourist attraction. I spent a year of my life volunteering here as a tour guide. Bletchley Park has a long and almost lost history. The work that was done here in the 1930s and 1940s is said to have shortened World War II by years. Hard to believe now that it once sat on its own in acres of land. This was a time before the new town of Milton Keynes swallowed up Bletchley and Bletchley Park's vast landmass. Sir Herbert Samuel Leon was an English financier and Liberal Party politician. It was him that purchased the Bletchley Park estate and adapted the house to what it looks like now. Originally a part of an estate of the manor of Eton, the site of Bletchley Park is mentioned in the Great Doomsday Book of 1086. A house was built on this historic plot of land in 1711 by a man named Brown Willis. In 1793, the house was demolished and it wasn't until 1883 that Sir Herbert Leon expanded the remaining farmhouse on the site and built the mansion known as Bletchley Park. The Bletchley Mansion is an unusual and eccentric design that incorporates elements of Victorian Gothic, Dutch Baroque and Tudor architectural styles. Founded and funded by millionaire Sir Herbert Leon, the mansion's exterior features both Dutch and Tudor gables and a Moorish-influenced roof. 
The building is asymmetrical in design with sumptuous interiors featuring reproduction Jacobean ceilings, marble arches and an impressive ballroom with gilded ceilings. Herbert died and his children didn't want the estate. They had married into wealth themselves and had gained property elsewhere, so Bletchley was not needed. It was sold to the British government in 1938 and became headquarters for MI6's communication operations in preparation and anticipation of the outbreak of war with Germany. The reason this site was chosen is because it was between the two major university cities, Oxford and Cambridge, as well as being on the train line to London. It had good road links and the local telephone communications at Fenny Stratford made it easy to communicate important messages. It was isolated enough not to arouse suspicion, but close enough to other important sites in case the need was to arise. The locals of Bletchley had thought that it had been turned into an asylum and were none the wiser for decades to what really went on there. I was lucky enough to meet some of the staff that worked there during these secretive years. It was described to me as a combination of a university campus and a building site. The sole purpose of Bletchley was to crack the Enigma Code. An Enigma Code, in a very simple nutshell, was a coded message used by the Nazi military to communicate. It was so advanced and so complicated that the settings were changed daily so that it made it near on impossible to be cracked by anyone listening in. I was a tour guide there and I couldn't understand the complexities of it all. This is pre-computers, so everything had to be done by pencil and paper. As the site grew, the workforce grew. With hundreds of people now working at Bletchley Park, they were forced to sign the Official Secrets Act. If this was broken, you could be put in prison or tried for treason. Capital punishment was a real possibility. Hanging was still legal in Britain at this time. I've heard stories of husbands, wives, siblings, etc., all working at Bletchley Park, and none of them were any the wiser. A lot of people took the secret they had to their graves. Alan Turing is a name that is most associated with Bletchley Park. An odd and difficult character, autistic and homosexual, he was socially awkward, however, a genius. He designed machines that could decode the Enigma machine messages faster than any human, he was a mathematician that had such an impact on the importance of the work in Bletchley Park and yet he met a tragic end many years after the war. Alan was arrested for gross indecency after having a homosexual relationship and being caught. He was given the choice of chemical castration or prison. He reluctantly chose castration. He died in 1954 of cyanide poisoning. It was originally believed that he took his own life. However, he may have been murdered. He was in possession of many British secrets and due to his ill treatment he could have been seen as a threat of exposing them. Alan Turing was officially pardoned of his homosexual crimes in 2013 after overwhelmingly public support was given. Bletchley Park itself had the main manor house and many temporary huts constructed on the grounds. If you are from the UK, many of us would have had similar temporary hut classrooms at school. Every hut has a specific job, but it was rare that the huts would ever mix. 
If you worked there, you would do your job only, in secret, and not speak about it. There was some room for downtime, and Bletchley Park had its own tennis courts and makeshift theatre in one of the huts. It was important to keep morale up. Churchill was said to have been keen to give the staff of Bletchley anything they wanted to keep spirits high. This was mind-numbing, complex and important work. Enigma was finally cracked with the collected efforts of the staff at Bletchley Park. On the ground, this meant that the British could be in real time on the same page as the Nazis. However, some really difficult decisions had to be made. The British did not want the Nazis to realise that they had broken the code, so strategic sacrifices would have to be made on what attacks would and would not be stopped on the British. Countless ships were torpedoed and fighter jets shot down, even though the British had the knowledge to save them. I guess that's the nature of war though, it's dirty. When the war ended in 1945, Bletchley was eventually shut down, papers were destroyed, machines dismantled, huts pulled down and the staff went back to ordinary life. The site was purchased by British telecoms but was later abandoned as it was falling into disrepair. The site, including the manor house, was left to rot. In the late 80s, the site faced demolition. The Milton Keynes new town was making the area a popular place to live and this land was earmarked for development. However, as news got out about the importance of the site as a historical place of interest grew, a few locals campaigned to set up the Bletchley Park Trust. It eventually opened its doors to the first visitors in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. I was one of the first school trips to visit the site. It was still in a relative state of disrepair. What I loved about it though is that there were still objects there from the staff from the 1940s that they had left on their desks and it had not been touched since. To me, that's history. Many years later, Bletchley Park was awarded a lottery grant to repair and recreate what Bletchley was like in its heyday. It is now a top-class visitor attraction with amazing exhibits and it has been completed to a very high specification. When I was a guide there, I was lucky enough to meet the now elderly veterans who were still with us. Films like The Imitation Game and Enigma sparked an interest spike in the site. British TV shows like Flog It and Antiques Roadshow have also featured at Bletchley Park. If you look carefully on the Flog It episode, you will see me in the background. Historian Dan Snow's history hit has also paid a visit. Bletchley Park is well worth a visit, even if I am a little biased. I would like to leave you with a short audio clip of the actors from the film The Imitation Game on what it was like filming at Bletchley Park. In the summer of 2013, the production company of the film The Imitation Game came to Bletchley Park to film some key scenes. Here, the actors and director of the film describe how it felt for them to be at the real Bletchley Park. What did you do during the war? I worked in a radio factory. What did you really do during the war? Are you paying attention? I want to know what it was like filming at Bletchley Park. Amazing. It was amazing. I mean, what, what an extraordinary experience. I mean, obviously, as you guys know, I, I, I went round there 
couple of times for research and you were amazing you opened doors and were so patient with uh, you know a struggling actor's brain to try and sort of encompass what cryptography really is to work in the environs where all this happened where the people breathed lived loved worked struggled kept secrets were heroic quietly stoically was really really overwhelming and it was it was a a very important part of the film i think it wouldn't have felt right not to have had a moment with Bletchley Park featuring properly. You almost feel that you can feel the presence of all those incredible minds when you walk into to, to the main building in Bletchley Park and where we filmed, you know, the bar. You really, you could, you know, all of us felt that, you know, that the hairs stand on end on our necks when we went in there because, mm. you know, you, I'm pretty sure if you dusted that place, you still find the fingerprints of everyone that we played there somewhere. So, you know, it also brought home the, res the responsibility we felt in portraying these characters and, and telling Alan Turing's story and telling it to, to the very best of our ability and, you know, really bringing, bringing to life, you know, an, a story that people really don't know, don't know and really should know about this incredible man and the incredible work done at Bletchley Park. It's beautiful. It's the greatest encryption device in history. The Germans use it for all major communications. Everyone thinks Enigma is unbreakable. Let me try, and we'll know for sure. It's a story about outsiders. It's a story about those who think differently, who are didn't fit in, and 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 how important it is to have them and, and, and sort of like celebrate them instead of prosecuting them. Why wasn't this, you know, front cover of every history book? Because it's it's such an important impact. It has such an important impact on the world, and it's also this sort of like the man who was the forefather of the computer. So, so to me, it became I wanted to spread his legacy and, and try to, you know, tell the story of this man. And I think it was very emotional for all the actors and, and for all the crew to be there. That this is where it actually happened. In Bletchley Park, everywhere you looked, you realised that this was the architecture, this was the sky, some of the trees being there way before any of them were even there. And it just, it adds something from nothing. You really feel that you're playing slightly with ghosts as well. So it's, it's nerve-wracking, you know, it is, because you think, Christ, we're actually, we're, we're fictionalising what really happened here. What is it that we're really doing? We're going to break an unbreakable Nazi code. Oh. To pull off this genius routine, one actually has to be a genius. Why are you building a machine? The machine will allow us to break every message and win the war. Men and women from all walks of society, from all abilities, whether it be actors and artists to the more likely candidates of mathematicians and physicists and scientific thinkers, came together to try and crack a code that was basically, or many codes actually, that were um, the encryption devices of the Nazis and they were winning the war, the country was starving, the clock was ticking as is portrayed in the, in the sort of pacing thriller element of our film. And to understand the importance of that is also to understand the importance of those men and women and the actual environments of where it happens. The efforts within the hut and the, um, the war effort and the genius minds we had at Oxford and Cambridge that they gathered together in that hut also is a great celebration of academia in this country and um, what, what we achieved. I'm very proud that actually I think we, we managed to portray the spirit of Alan Turing and the spirit of Bletchley, um, what it must have felt like and the sheer pressure they must have experienced, and also the great achievement that actually did, and how important they were for the outcome of the war. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Millions of lives were saved. 
and it was all done in secret. And now we can look at that secret. So how could that not be one of the most important legacies we have in our in our culture of that era? Um, it's incredibly important that it keeps going, incredibly important that it's open to the public and something that's well-funded and supported and continues because this is our history. You could have helped us, but you won't. You will never understand the importance of what I am creating here. I'm just a mathematician. You've got more secrets than the best of them.